Good morning, everyone. They finally let me loose again. They only do it when everybody's away, in case I say something really controversial. So uh, I'll try my best to live up to that reputation this morning. Uh, We'll let the kids go do whatever they're doing. If you want to top up in your coffee, go for it. Tea, now's the time. And then we're going to get get into it for, I suppose I better set my watch. So just before I start, um, when I was praying this morning, I felt that I needed to, to pray something over you guys before uh, I start. So let's close our eyes. Let's settle down. Everything in the summer is just all over the place, isn't it? Life in general and church is no different in the summer. So let's just settle our hearts because I really believe God's given me a really important word this morning. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for the privilege of coming here. But, Father, I speak these words that I feel you've put in my heart this morning. I pray for an awakening in here this morning. Whatever that awakening is to each person individually, I ask for an awakening this morning. God, will you wake us up this morning? Will you speak to us as individuals and together as a body, as a family on a mission? So God, I speak that over us this morning, an awakening and expectation from you and to see your kingdom move in your wonderful name. Amen. So as as Neville said, I like to try and be a wee bit funny. And usually it's just people laughing at me for sympathy, not because I'm funny. But uh, this morning, um, I want to read from the passage in the Bible that is one of the funniest passages in the whole Bible, okay? Who do you think invented comedy? It certainly wasn't the devil, okay? He's maybe manipulated a wee bit now, a big bit now. But the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they invented comedy. They want us to have fun. They want us to smile. They want us to enjoy life, okay? And this is a passage that I believe points to that, but it also has a few serious meanings and a few serious stories to it. It's one that I have uh, done before, but I want to really go into it in a different context this morning. So it's going to be up on the screen behind us, uh, Acts 19. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. And this morning, I want to continue on from where Neil was at last week with um, us going out of our comfort zones looking at what it takes to go out of our comfort zone. And this morning I've entitled this Discovering Love. Falling in love again. Realizing how much you're loved. And we're going to go into that this morning. So Acts 19, I'm going to read it. Now there were seven itinerant Jewish exorcists, son of Sceva, the high priest, who took it upon themselves to use the name and authority of Jesus over those who were demonized. They would say, we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches about. Okay, sounds pretty standard. One day when they said those words, the demon in the man replied, I know about Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who do you think you are? Guys, that's funny. Then the demonized man jumped on them and threw them to the ground, beating them mercilessly. He overpowered the seven exorcists until they all ran out of the house naked and badly bruised. Okay, let's make it funny. Imagine me and Neville and Neil, we go to a house up in Rich Hill and we're going to this Lovely little lady that Billy's been having problem, problems with in the shop. She's speaking in different voices to him. Hello, my name is, you know what I mean? We'll not, we'll not over-dramatize it too much. But next thing, as we lay hands on this lady, because there's three of us, can't do it alone, have to be at least two. That's the way it is. She speaks back and said, who do you think you are? Next thing, she beats us 
rips her clothes off, and we run out of the house, down the street of Rich Hill, completely naked, don't think of it too much, please, completely naked, bruised and bloody. Okay, so there's a serious, a very serious part to this, but I think this is quite funny. This is funny that these men go in thinking they know who Jesus is and start to use his name. And so the point is they were trying to walk in someone else's authority. They seen what someone else was doing and thought, oh, I would love to do that. The voice translation says this, some itinerant Jewish exorcists noticed Paul's success. They seen what Paul was doing. And so we have a tendency to do that as Christians. We see what other people are doing. We see the success they're having. We see how good they are at worship. We see when they lay hands on people, things start to happen. And we think, I want that. But what we don't realize is what it took for that person to get to that moment. You don't see the history they've had with the Father. You don't see the hours and hours spent on their knees crying out. You don't see what has went on in the background with their story in their lives to get them to that point where they can pray, where they can sing, where they can lead, whatever it may be, for that one moment in the spotlight. And so these men, the sons of Sceva, they knew the facts about Jesus. They knew the facts about Paul. They had seen what was happening but they did not know who Jesus truly was. They hadn't discovered love. In the New Living Translation, it says that they had been going from town to town. And so this was not their first rodeo. I think many times before that, things had started to happen because there's a verse I was reading this week, I can't remember where it is, and in one of um, Paul's letters, where he says, these guys, they go to Paul and they say, these guys are preaching in Jesus' name and they're preaching the gospel. And Paul says, well, they're being successful and Jesus' name's getting out there. Let them go ahead and do it. And so I think this was a certain amount where these guys were saying in the name of Jesus, where they were ministering and things were happening, but it got to the point where they were found out. And I believe, I'm guilty of this, that as Christians, we can get by. We know the slogans, we know the verses, we know the songs, we know the places to hang out, and we have had certain amount of success, but there's a time coming where it's not going to cut the mustard, and you need to truly know Jesus. And these men got to the point where they thought, we've seen Jesus, we've seen Paul, we can do this, but wait a minute. When it got to a certain point, they walked into a house, and even the demons knew, I know how deep your relationship goes with Jesus. And it's not that they could read their mind, but you know what happens? You know what the, the, the other realm does? You know what the enemy does? They watch. They see. They can't read your mind, but they can look at what you do. They can see the authority that you carry in your everyday life. And when they walked into that room, they said, we are not going anywhere because we know who you are. And you hold no authority over us. I need to stick to my notes. And so true authority comes from relationship with Jesus Christ. Not using formulas, not using techniques, but relationship, falling in love with Jesus Christ. They didn't know the Jesus that they were talking about. And forgive me if I've used this before, but I think it's so funny. But Nicola, whenever she used to uh, work in the stone bridge shop, she always get these strange customers. You still get strange customers. But this one time, this person, I think they were annoyed. I can't, I, I can't imagine that any customers in drop-in shops would be annoyed. 
Not right, Jason. But uh, they were annoyed for some reason. I can't imagine why with Nicola, because she's so nice. But they came up to, to Nicola, and they started demanding things. And it got to the point where Nicola wasn't giving in. It must have been for a price. And they said, well, I know Ronnie Dawson. And she looked back, and she said, so do I. He's my daddy. <laughs> and so if that person truly did know him, had a relationship with him, then maybe that relationship would have carried a, a slight authority in that situation. But he didn't have a clue who he was. He didn't even know his daughter. Relationship is what brings and carries authority. Not just knowing in your head, but falling in love. Bowing before him like we talked about this morning, getting on your knee when he walks into the room. Do you know when he walks into the room, everything bows before him. When the father walks into the room, depression, sickness, mental, mental uh, stuff, it bows before the father. It bows its knee because it knows who is in front of him. And do you know what? It didn't bow that day because these men were not carrying Jesus and were not in love with Jesus. And so... When we come up against trouble, we think, where is God? We wonder, why are these things not working? Why is my prayers not working? Why are these things not being answered? But really, it comes back to discovering love. Because if you love someone, you know where they're going to be. Maybe if you're a stalker, you also know where they're going to be, but there's no stalkers here this morning. And so if you're in love with Jesus, you'll be in the right place at the right time saying the right thing because you're in tune with the spirit and I believe there's there's many of us and I'm guilty of it that I am out of sync with the father because I am not continually over and over falling in love on a daily basis and saying father I need you the key was this in Acts 19 11, God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul and it's because Paul was in love with the Father. It's because Paul understood the authority that he carried. And we have all been given authority. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, authority was passed from rabbi to rabbi. It was whoever taught you and passed it down. That's how you got your name, which Paul had. And I want to ask you this morning, where do you get your authority from? Ours comes from Jesus, but do you know him? Because whenever you do know him, this story in Acts 19 of these men walking into the room, instead of walking in and in the name of Jesus, I command you to get out. I would walk in with holy swagger that is given. I think Paul in the New Testament is a man who walked with holy swagger. He would walk into a room, open the door. The kingdom is here. Do you know why? Because he lives inside of me. And I am here to release you in the name of Jesus. He had a holy swagger and an authority because he understood who he was. So if you see me walking, it's not a limp. It's a holy swagger. Okay? You're allowed to have a holy swagger. Authority that comes from Jesus. And so do you know who you are? Do you know who you are because of him? Do you know the authority that you have that's not for your sake? Gets to be for your sake, but it's not for your sake. It's for the sake of those around you to give away what you've been given. And I believe that it's looking at the story of Jesus that helps us simply, because of his simple life, understand what it is to fall in love with the Father. Jesus, of all people, he was the one that said, I need to get up in the morning. 
I need to be with my father because as I see him, I do. You know that God has a unique story for you. A unique story that is perfectly planned to who you are, to the gifts that you have. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Whenever Jesus was coming up out of the water um, of baptism in Matthew 3, the father said this. The dove came down out of heaven and the father's voice said this in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was in a public place. He said, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased Notice he didn't say, announcing, this is Jesus. He is here to save the world. He will do miracles of every kind. He will turn water into wine, etc., etc." No, he said, this is my son. It carries authority because of who he is and because of who I am. And I want you to know the first thing that I care about is that he is loved. And the problem is we, with theology, we get all this other mess. But first and foremost, you are his sons and daughters and you are loved. If you don't know anything else, you are his sons and daughters and you are loved. He doesn't mind what you do after that. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about the miracles that happen. I'm talking about how much you pray and read. All those things help develop a relationship. But from the very start, no matter what, you are his son and daughter and he loves you. It is a public declaration, but notice it came here. Whenever Jesus stepped out and stepped into the water, the father came down and responded to his obedience and said, this is, it was a declaration. So the authority we carry as sons and daughters, it carries boldness and it carries confidence. Just like I know, I know there's certain things that I'm allowed to say yes to because my wife lets me. I have a certain authority. Who else? What other men in here have that authority? You know how far you can push it before you get in trouble. Is that right? No, they're all sitting, I guess. I'm not going to move my hand. Yes, your wife's out. That's right. I know how far I can go with a certain authority. And it's the same when you're in love with the Father. You know how far you can push it. You know how much he's given you. You know that when you walk into your room, there's certain things that do not agree with heaven and that need to change because of your presence. If I was in America, there'd be a few black people here and they'd be saying, hallelujah, pastor, hallelujah. So let's get some of that. Come on, let's get a few hallelujahs. And I'm not being racist. It's just because we're in Ireland. That's better. If this goes out on YouTube, please don't take me out of context. Can you imagine Daniel walking into the room? Now, he looks a spit of carrot. This Daniel. Can you imagine walking into the room and saying, listen, Dad, um, I've been having a wee thought about it. I've been Googling it. And uh, I'm just not quite sure that you're my dad. Um, well, you've got my hands, son. You've got my chicken legs. You look like your granny. You're definitely my son. Well, actually, can you do a wee DNA test? It's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It would never happen. He knows he's my son. Because it's a heart condition. And here's the thing, even if he wasn't my son in the DNA sense, he would still know he was my son. If he was adopted, you're not, don't worry. He would still know because it's a heart condition, because of the access he has to me, because of the situations he sees me in that nobody else sees me in. He knows he is my son. 
And this morning, the Father is wanting you to know you are his sons and daughters. And that gives privileges. That gives access. And that should change how you come before the throne. That should change the way you ask. That should change the way you walk into a room. I'm really off my notes now. There's a verse in the Bible that shows me what it's like to carry a swagger. Shows me what it's like to understand I've been sent out by Jesus himself. Luke 10 verse 17, it says this. When the 72, so Jesus has sent out 72 disciples to go out and just turn the world upside down. Boys and ladies, get yourselves out there and see what I'm going to do through you. I can imagine it was maybe in a different language or a wee bit nicer, but that's my version. So it says this in Luke 10, 17. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, or in another version says, they were ecstatic with joy, describes most Christians. Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. You sent us out. We were confident. We were full of you. And even the demons obeyed your name. We've seen people healed. We've seen people released. All because we were confident in who we were and who sent us out. And in verse 18 after it, and Jesus himself says this, while you were out ministering, I watched Satan topple. This shows me that when you know who you are, when you realize you're loved, when you realize the authority that you carry, you go out, you carry the kingdom, joy is released, and the devil is toppled. Come on. Who got excited for the boxing match last night? This is more exciting than any sport or golf or nonsense this world has to offer. When you and me understand who we are and we're sent out in that authority, when we release joy, peace, patience, goodness, all these things that we're trying to get that are really hard, when we release those things, Satan is toppled and people encounter Jesus. And that's the only reason that this church is in this village. It's not here for a happy Sunday. This is why they only lap me every now and again. It's not here for a happy Sunday go clappy club. It is here for you to understand who you are and to be released like joyful Rottweilers. Joyful Rottweilers. You know the slabber coming out. <laughs> Hello, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Billy does do that in Red Hill, but <laughs> that's what we're here for. Can anyone tell I've had a, I've had a horrible week, right? A horrible week. But I have some of the nicest, most amazing encounters with the Father this week. I felt like <sighs> oppression. Virgin and uh, I wouldn't even say it. But this week I had so, some amazing encounters with the Father. Not boom, but just these still, still small moments. Maybe that's a word for somebody. And so the farther that you go with God, the less you get to carry of you, but the more you get to carry of him. He wants to transplant some things that are better for you than you have already. And he starts with, with dreams and visions, things in your mind that go, won't go away. You discover things that set you alight and you hear him speaking over you. This is my son. This is my daughter, my loved, my beloved it's the old word, my loved daughter. 
who I am well pleased. No matter what the world tells you, you are his loved son and daughter who he says, I am pleased with you and I love you. I'm going to say it over and over because I needed to hear this myself. No matter what anybody else tells you, you are loved beyond comprehension. In this story, the men were distracted with what they were doing. They were distracted with the name that they were making for themselves and not making Jesus famous. And so we need stories birthed out of love and compassion. Not copying what other people are doing, but saying, God, what is my unique story in the middle of all this? Because I believe you've given me something amazing to do. And he has. And so the response these men got, I believe, was a sign that something just wasn't right. The response they got from the demons inside that person was a sign there's something not right with you guys. They had a naked and bruised moment. This was a warning for them. And I believe, like these men, we're busy. We're so busy. We're doing good work. We're working, we're working, we're working. But we're not taking time to get still, to stop, and to take stock of your lives, of your spiritual life, of where you're at with your family, of even what you're doing with your finances. We're just busy, busy, busy doing, religiously maybe doing what we're doing. And God is saying, hold on, there's warning signs. And I want to ask you this morning, what warning signs are there in your life, in the physical, in the mental, in the spiritual, that things, maybe they're small, but they need tweaked and they need to change. And you need to get on your knees before the Father and say, if I'm going to live in John 10 fullness, what is it? that I need to change? What is it that needs to move for me to fully know who you are and to fully know who I am in you? Have you had a naked, bruised, wounded moment? Imagine it. In all the funniness or the laughter of it. Can you imagine the embarrassment of, of me and Neville and Neil standing in that square after this encounter? Newspapers, the shame that would come upon the gospel because these men were not living a life worthy of the calling. Maybe you or you know someone that they've had a naked wounded moment, not because of themselves, but because of religious men and women that have put things on them. Because they've put things on you that were not supposed to be put on you because they have said things to you out of a religious mindset that shouldn't have been said. These men, they made the mistake of wanting lives marked by the stories of the miraculous that they've seen in other people instead of being marked by the presence of God himself. And so I would say as I finish, but it's not as I finish. I want to I wanna ask a few questions and try and answer these before I finish. What is it that we carry? What is its purpose and what is our identities as son and daughter? And so I, I have used this before, forgive me, but I think it's, it's really important. Uh, a few months ago, we started reading a book with Daniel and Josh, and Daniel's here this morning. And uh, we, we talked about hearing the voice of God. And we were trying to teach them what it is to hear the voice of God. And I remember it was in the old building. It wasn't a few months ago. It was like a year and a half ago now, actually. Because Daniel was in uh, the rock with all the kids. And he came around to me and he said, Daddy, Daddy, I heard Jesus. I can't remember your exact context. I think you said you've seen him too. And I said, what did he say to you? 
And he said, he came up behind me and he put his arms around me and he said, Daniel, I love you more than anything else. I thought, okay, that's really nice. But then he continued on. I said, did he say anything else? And he said, yes. He said, I am the God of your father and your grandfather. And that was it. And as I started praying about it, I realized that whenever Daniel had his encounter with Jesus, the first thing that he wanted to point out to him more than anything else is, I love you. And the second thing is, I want you to know that you have a heritage, that you have an inheritance to pass on. You've been given something and you have to give it away. And I believe that is what we carry. That's his purpose and that's our identity. I believe it is to discover the love of God and to express it to those around us. That's simply what we are to do. We are to discover the love of God and express it to those around us, to give it away. I have a great natural father. He is a great example. He would give you his shirt off his back and have nothing left in the bank if he knew you were okay. I have a great example of it. And so Romans 12, verse 3, it says, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is, or by, by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. So what is God? What describes God? God is love. What describes what he has done for us? He died on the cross as a sacrifice to give us salvation to give us new life, and to give us freedom. John 1 verse 14, it says, And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. And we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father overflowing with tender mercy. That word in its original Aramaic means loving kindness, goodness. Translated grace, favor, sweetness, pleasure, delight. Jesus Christ is full of everything that our hearts crave. And so these men had not discovered this. They were acting without love. And I believe that love is not this airy-fairy, oh, I love you, I'm going to get you a Valentine's card and buy you fake perfume like I used to do when I was at school. You're just, you do whatever you want. That's not love. Love is this. Love is I will stick by you no matter what. Love is I will look you in the eye and tell you the things that need to be different in your life. Love is taking it back from the person that you've just pulled the log out of their eye as they pull the log out of your eye. Love is fierce. It's like a joyful Rottweiler. Love's scary. Love takes work. Love takes sacrifice. Love perseveres. Love is brave. It's like that skin on the bottom of your feet. You cannot get rid of it, no matter how much you pick. It's beautiful. Am I the only one? Come on, this is honesty this morning. It will not go away. <laughs> Teresa Avila said this, there are only two duties that our Lord requires of us, the love of God and the love of our neighbor. And in my opinion, the surest sign for our discovering our love to God is discovering our love to our neighbor. Be assured that the further you advance in the love of your neighbor, the more you are advancing in the love of God. There will be evidence expressed if you are in love with God. Once we discover it, we have to give it away. Romans 14, it's talking about a load of Christians that are fighting. Never happens, but these ones were fighting. 
and they were fighting over what food you should eat. And Paul's response to them was this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but it is the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. He is saying, listen, put that nonsense aside. Let your lives be marked with goodness, love, peace, and joy. Fill yourself up from the Father and give it away. And then in Philippians 1, this is a chapter where Paul is thankful for his relationship with the church. He's thankful for their relationship with each other. And this is really key to where I'm going to finish. I continue to pray your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation and of spiritual insight in all things. Let me read that again. For the next one. Come on, man at the back. No, not the video back. There's another one. Oh, it's not up. It's okay. Don't worry. I continue to pray. Sorry. I apologize. I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. And so this word is very important. The word giving you spiritual insight. It's so important. In the original language, it means referring to practical understanding linked to life. And so it means walking in something that puts truth into you, that reveals truth to you. It could also be translated experiencing or discerning, but it remains experiencing the reality of something. And this is where it's key. We are called not just to feel the love, it's probably a song, but we are called to walk in it and express it. We are not called just to read about the kingdom in the New Testament, but we are called to walk in it and express it. We are not just called to have salvation, but we are called to walk in it and give it away. Do you understand where I'm going with this? And so he is calling you to walk in it. He's calling you to step out of your comfort zone and engage with the world and with each other and experience all that life has to offer. And so I want to show you a video because there's a difference between thinking you know something and actually doing it. Has anyone ever experienced that? You've got this real fear of something or an anxiousness or whatever it is because you have never done it. And most of us won't do things that we have a fear over. And so sometimes it takes us to experience something to actually understand it. This is me going up a pole. Now, this pole is 20 foot high or more. Notice the shaking. And so I had a fear of doing that, and I didn't want to do it. And guess what? After doing it, I still don't want to do it. My experience has told me and confirmed what I thought was a reality. But what I have found most of the time is my, what I think after I experience is not what I thought before. Next one. And last week, Robin decided to try makeup. And he realized that what he thought was true, he will not be wearing makeup next one. We went aerosofting a few weeks ago, and I'll be honest, I didn't say it to anybody, but I am terrified of paintballing. 
absolutely terrified because the last time Nicola shot me in the neck. And so I didn't want to go back. And before I was really nervous and trembling. And then when the adrenaline kicked in, I swear I could be in the SAS. It was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. So the experience that was in my head before didn't match reality. And I want to go again next week. We're getting there. And once you try something, the next one, once you try something, it will change your life. And it's only when you truly experience something for yourself that you will understand. Keep that up there. And Nicola's always asking me, listen, the Rugby World Cup's coming this October. And I'm sure she'll ask the question again. But Nicola's always asking me to explain the rules of rugby. And I have given up after 11 years of marriage because she just doesn't get it. And this is what I always say to her. You'll only fully understand when you take the field and play. Otherwise, you will just, I don't go into this, but otherwise, you'll just be living off the stories of others. And so this morning, the Father is asking you to stop living off other people's stories, other people's testimonies, other people's experience, and to get your butt out to the field And this can be in many contexts, but I'm talking about love. I'm talking about putting your neck on the line in the community by being love and expressing love, by praying for people, by laying hands on people, by giving people money when they need it. Whatever it is, he's asking you to get into the field and experience what it is to get out there as an expression of love, walking in the authority of the Father. Just after that video that I had up, two days later, I ended up in hospital. And I don't know, I know a few of you know this, but after that, I found out that, I, that I'm losing my hearing and I'm going to need hearing aids in these big lugs at some stage. And uh, it didn't really faze me. I just told the doctor, God will heal me before then, it's okay. But as I started to pray about it, I don't want to make it too spiritual, but as I started to pray about it, I really felt like God was saying to me, it's in Practical love sometimes takes you stepping into other people's situations to view things from their perspective so that you can introduce them to the perspective of Jesus. And as I started to pray about this, I thought, right, I'll never understand what Daria goes through. But sometimes I'm getting a little tiny insight when I cannot hear a thing in crowds Went for an MOT the other day, couldn't hear a thing the boy was saying to me, had to get my head out the window about 10 times, and I thought he was going to fail me. But it's frustrating. It's annoying. But I think sometimes in the middle of that, this sacrificial love that God is calling us to is asking us to step into other people's positions and perspectives to find out why they are where they are, to find out why they think like they think, why they respond like they do, and introduce them to the perspective of the kingdom of heaven and the authority that you carry. And I don't mean lording over people, but in a gentle, loving way. I, uh, when I was growing up, we used to get three liter bottles of roller cola. Do you remember it? Remember out of Iceland? You go into the local shop and you get two pound for a bottle of Coke. But, uh, my mum and dad shopped at Iceland and we got these big massive bottles of Coke. And this is the Coke that we drank. It's the real deal. And in the small print at the back, it says value brand, but just as good. No, I need, this is, this is what I always drink. This is what I'm used to. No, no, this, is real stuff. no this is what I always drink. Look at that. Look at that. 
it, oh, it looks like something else. But it's, oh, it's what I'm used to. I don't know any different. I'll stick with that. Maybe they'll try a wee bit of that. Can you tell I, I don't act in at school? Just pretend this real Coke, okay? There's no spar to me. So I'm going to try this real stuff. Oh, oh, just look at the fizz nut. Oh, my goodness. Why'd nobody tell me about that sooner? I know, but that one says it's the real deal too. But it isn't actually. This is far better. I'll start my cheesy acting now. Do you get where I'm going? I've always known this one. It's what I'm used to. My taste buds are used to it. It's what I'm used to paying for because it's cheap. But it's watered down. Do you know what this is? This is real Coke. But it's watered down. It doesn't cost as much. But I'm used to it and I'm happy with it. So I'm going to stick with it. And I believe that God in this season is saying to us, do you want to stick with this nonsense that's watered down? Or do you want the real genuine, I'm, I'm not working for Coke, don't worry. Do you want the real genuine full stuff that costs more, but it's so much better? That one's cheapened. It's tainted. It's set up for the mass market. So is this one, but. But what I'm saying is this morning, these men in this story, they had the tainted, watered-down version of, I've seen other people do this. It's working for them. They're getting famous. I think they're getting a wee bit of money. We want the same. But this morning, God is asking you, are you ready to give up for the full, fat gospel? Less of this nonsense of watered-down stuff that everybody else is on. This is a time where I want you to understand who you are and release it. These men, these men were so close. They were so close. All they had to do was discover love. And so we all have predispositions in our mind, in our body, in our culture. We have so many things in our lives like this. That because it's always been done like this, because we're so used to it, we're not willing to try new things and we're not willing to give something else a go. And can I tell you, quite honestly, I was brought up where you didn't speak about the Holy Spirit until six years ago I encountered the Holy Spirit and started seeing visions and hearing words and seeing miracles. And I tell you what, I will not go back to the watered down nonsense that is not in my Bible. And I say that in a respectful way. The New Testament cannot be limited by what my culture and what my church and denomination and even my family lineage and my friends tell me. You need to read it for yourself. I need to read it for myself and let the Spirit of God speak to me and come alive. And I pray the same over you that I've prayed, that I see the realities of the New Testament come alive in me as I walk in authority, as I discover love and give away what God has given me. And so he's calling us out of our comfort zone. I wrote this down last week, so appropriate because it's been released this week. I started singing, he's calling us to the danger zone. Highway to the danger zone. It's been, 
It's been released this week. Am I the only one in here on Facebook? The rest of these are all super holy. <laughs> Tom Cruise is coming back. There we go. And that's my timer up. So I'm going to stop. I'm on my last page. And so he's calling us out of our comfort zone into the danger zone. And so if you think about it, he's asking us to discover, discover love, to discover you have to step out, to discover you have to do something that no one else has done, to discover you have to be bold and courageous and ready to say yes, because God's love is altogether safe, but it's also dangerous because he might ask you to do things that you've never done before, to go places you've never been, to hang about with people that you wouldn't dare hang about with, to give away stuff that your stingy little wallet might not want you to give away. I didn't have my wallet, so it's okay. And so here's the thing, to to make it really simple this morning, everyone in this room, when I'm talking about practically expressing love, everyone in this room can just start with being kind and nice to each other. And I don't mean uh, we tap on the back. I mean, actually, a kind, loving niceness. And here's the deal. Neil and I were talking about this week. Sometimes you have to really do things intentionally and on purpose because it's not your natural bent. But see, when you start to make yourself do things or talk to a certain person or give a certain thing or be in a certain place for a certain reason, it starts to become a part of your DNA. It starts to become your natural response. And so I believe that God wants you to get into an intentional rhythm where you actually take something that he speaks to you when you're on your knees before him or you're in your word and you intentionally start to do it or think it or behave it or act it or befriend the person or whatever it may be. And so as Neil said last week, we can continue to live the life that we are living or the life that Jesus offers. Matthew 23, 13 says, A great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and you Pharisees, such frauds and pretenders. You do all you can to keep people from experiencing the reality of kingdom's heaven or kingdom's realm. Not only do you refuse to enter it, you also forbid anyone else from entering it. And I really truly believe that the church and some days be, some days not, I'm stopping people from encountering Jesus. I'm not saying you can't have your bad days or mess or whatever, because we do. But it's learning like that scripture that Paul says, it's through all things. Even when I have nothing, when I have much, when I am down, when I am up, through it all I can be consistent because I have Jesus. And just like the Pharisees in Matthew 23 How dare we forbid anyone from entering the kingdom or encountering Jesus when we have him as a free gift to give away? So we can either keep him to ourselves or we can give him away. Or you can leave a piece of the kingdom wherever you go. And so just to finish up, when these men men were kicked out of the house, it was a failure. And nothing manifests our motives better than poor results. These men were driven by wanting a reputation and fame. And can I be honest? There's so many times I pray and nothing happens. And I am so annoyed. And it stops me for a while. But then I pick myself up or I have an encounter with God and I'm like, right, I'm going to pray for people again. And then nothing happens. And you're down again. And then guess what? On a few occasions, something miraculous has happened. 
Something miraculous has happened. I've told the story of the lady that was healed with cancer, five weeks to live and she was healed, her lung cancer. I've told the story of Nicola where a lump completely disappeared from her breast just before she was going to go into the, the emergency room and it was gone and so many stories. And there's so many more in this room that can be told. How many are you missing? Because of this one thing, fear. These men were terrified as they came out of that house, I'm sure. They were filled with fear. But can I be honest with you? The biggest opposition to the love of God is fear. They lived in a place of fear. Fear of man's opinion, fear of being found out, fear of rejection, fear of loss of reputation. So what's stopping you this morning? What fear is stopping you? Maybe there's someone in your heart right now that you know you want to pray healing over them. Or maybe there's someone right now that you know you really want to share the gospel with them in a loving way, but you are terrified of what they'll say to you. Maybe God has asked you to step out courageously and leave your job, but fear is holding you back. I don't know what it was, but you can understand the gist of where I'm going. I wrote this down last night. What God places on your heart will always express love. I was thinking of Ronnie starting dropping. It expresses love. I was thinking of Madlog Dave. It was started to express love to those in the foster care system. I was thinking of Aspire and Mark Knox. It was started to express love to people in poverty and education. I was thinking of Grace and her breathe. You started as a response to something God done in your heart about Haiti. I'm thinking of people that church plant, plant churches in the rarest places in Ireland and across the world. It's because they want to express the love of the kingdom. And so God places something in our heart that our response is love. What is it that he's placing in your heart? And it doesn't have to be church planting or setting up an organization. What small thing or big thing is God placing in your heart? This is me finished now. Matthew 24. Where's Jude? Do you want to come on up, Jude? No word. Oh, there you are. Matthew 24. Why don't we stand? We're going we're gonna to just worship at the end. Staying with it. That's what God requires. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry and you'll be saved. All during this time, the good news the message of the kingdom will be preached all over the world, a witness staked out in every country. First Timothy 1.5, for we reach the goal of fulfilling all the commandments when we love others deeply with a pure heart and a clean conscience and sincere faith. Pedro Arup says, nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute way, what you are in love with, what seizes your imagination will get you out of bed in the morning. What you will do with your evenings, how you will spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, what seizes your imagination and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love and it will decide everything. So let's be honest in here this morning. Whether you like hugs or not, who in here needs some love? Honestly, who needs someone just to love them for who they are? 
And so the Father has given it to us. He is love. But I really believe in this season, He is calling us. No matter how awkward we feel, I'm not going to get you to do anything, don't worry. To express love to people around us in a genuine, and this is one of my one of my weaknesses, because I am so busy that sometimes compassion needs to catch up with me. Can you let it catch up with you this morning too? So Father, we thank you that you are love. We thank you that you have called us to be an expression of love. So will you help us just today to start with whoever, not whoever's beside us in here, but just whoever we encounter today, whoever we meet, help us just to start with being kind, to being loving, to being generous, to being present. God, we want to see this village transformed. Transformed with your love breaking through. Not an airy, fairy love, but those joy-filled Rottweilers in this room. So, Father, I declare that over us this morning, that we will be filled with joy, with peace, and with righteousness that we can give away in abundance to those that we encounter and those that we meet this week. And I just I feel, there, I feel something as well with depression. I really feel I've been getting a sense of something this week. And if there's someone in this room, I think you need to hear that word that whenever he walks into the room, those things bow to him. And I'm not in a place to speak about it or to pray about it. But there are people in this room this morning who have came through it and can pull you through it as well. And so if you're experiencing specifically depression this morning, you can wait till other people are away or whatever, but come and speak to me and we have myself and, and somebody else will pray for you. Because through love, we want to pull you out of whatever this is.